I knew we both wanted to do something, um, but we couldn't figure out what to do. I had been waiting. I was just like, okay, God, I'm going to book a commercial. And as soon as I book that commercial, we're just, we're going to give that money to you. And that was our plan, you know? And like, oh, we were trying to think of every other way of like, well, maybe if we do this or if we try this avenue that we could get the funds that we need yeah. to, to donate. And it was like truly like God saying like, no, use your talent. Yeah. We had a dinner party here at our house. Uh, we invited 18 to 20 people, maybe. He's a chef. Like this is what this is what he does, you know. So we would have people over, and he would cook for people. And through that, it's like we've made so many friends, and our community has grown. So we're just like, when that idea came, I told him, it's a no-brainer. Of course, God's gonna trust us with this because we do this, and it just all started to make sense. Like, oh, okay, like there was a bigger picture. We were supposed to raise $720 or something like that, line. right? At the end of the night, we sat here and I was adding it up and I'm not too good with numbers. So <laughs> I added it up like three times in a row and I was like, okay, I think somebody else needs to do this. And we had raised uh, $13,644 like yeah. yeah. or something like that. And we were just all blown away by what we what did, like what had just happened. I know people's lives are gonna be changed. I want the other people to experience and have that life-changing, like those life-changing moments as well. Like this has to keep going, you know? Like we sit back and are just blown away by the people that we have around us yeah. that are for us and we're for them. Yeah. It, it really does blow our minds. Jesus came so the wall, the dividing wall between the two could be eliminated. And we love that we can be that space where Jesus is working powerfully here in Malawi. So we get off the bus and this kid hugs me and it was a child that I had been working with since year one and he calls me his Apongo. You only have one Apongo. You can't have more than one Apongo. There's two people and they share this bond. This kid is in Malawi, in Chaliza, remembering me, remembering his Apongo. It teaches us so much about what it means to love people. And I love that our team will, will have the moments where they can just slow down. Our medical team didn't just provide physical care, they provided soul care. So we've just been having clinics, which has been great to address you know, the acute healthcare concerns, but we've also been able to plant seeds and to begin to cultivate a broader way to care for the community's health. We are here partnering with them to help give them a hope for a future, especially for their kids. Watching our kids team step in and create a program where they've been talking about unlocking imagination. Which we discovered was somewhat foreign for them to imagine outside of what they can see. So then we had them close their eyes and then prayed over the room. One kid said, I saw the tree and Sima was growing. And I said, and Sima was growing on the tree? They said, yes. And one of the children said, that's a strange idea. Then that's when it exploded. they were like, we should have all girls in school. We should build a secondary school. We should have improved markets. We believe that kids are the future. They're the ones who are gonna be able to change this village. Poverty has a language and it is called survival. It creates in you a desperation. So then you can't aspire to the higher things. How do you get to the big things? Well, you start with the little things. And for us, a soccer pitch or a basketball court is nothing. To them, it's everything. That then becomes the language of hope. We want to replace the language of poverty with the language of hope.
It is such an honor to be a part of the Mosaic Global team. I love the fact that, that everywhere around the world when we have teams that, are, that go in for a couple weeks, it doesn't just last for those couple weeks, that we're committed uh, to the long-standing future of wherever we are, uh, that we understand that in order for us to do all that God has called us to do, we have to bring the hope that we found in Him. And then when we show up in a country, we know that we're not bringing Jesus there, we're just helping partner with what Jesus is already doing. And so we are so excited uh, to continue Continue seeing where God is moving us as a church, as a tribe, and knowing that what we do across the world, we believe is going to impact generations to come. Good morning! Hey! Hey there! My name is Kim McManus, if we haven't met before, and I just got back from Malawi, and I always come with a video. I always come because I want you to see. Isn't it beautiful? Don't you want to come? You have done amazing things there. It's like, I, when we drove up and I had never seen this soccer field that we, um, um, we have, they had been working on it for months. You, had, you guys, your money had gone into that soccer field. The whole village ran toward the bus all the way down the road just to greet us because it instilled such hope. One, one of the elders turned to us and said, you saved our village. I'm like, hey, wait a minute, dude. It's a soccer field. Because it's nothing to us. It's everything to them. And when you see their kids playing on that basketball court and you see it's right there at the school, they have so much hope. And when you substitute um, the thinking of survival with the thinking of hope, it transforms. But that's exactly how we are sometimes. Hey, I'm just out here trying to survive. I don't know, I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to get by another day. I hear you talking. And when you're talking like that, know that I'm thinking, you're ridiculous. <laughs> what are you saying right now? Just, I just want to squeeze your mouth. Because I, I, feel like, I feel like, come on, words, get better, get better. All of our words could get better, right? Because sometimes we just are trying to survive it all. And that is never, get ready, because that's what I'm talking about today, the economy of God. Right? I don't know nothing about economics. But I know how God works. And if you read the scriptures, it's like, oh, come on, our constructs, the way we think in this city are a little crazy. We got to start shifting our thinking a little bit. This is the economy of God here. When I hear people talk about here to stay and raising $20 million, people say, you know what we need to do, Kim? You know what we need to do? The wild eyes. We need to win the lottery. When the more of you have said that to me than just one person, I'm like, the, I never, that is, the, not, that's our own wackadoodle construct. Just go buy a stupid, mindless ticket, add it to a pool of stupid people tickets, and then think that there, it's going to be like, uh, it's going to be ours. We're going to win the lottery. I don't do that. I don't, you know what I do? I do something else. I do something else. But it's not going to be wasting my money on something that is, uh, that is not the economy of God. Hear that. Um, look, in, 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 in Mark the chapter 10, is that how you say it? Mark the chapter 10? 
Is that how old people say it now? Because I'm getting old. Here we go. Mark in <laughs> Mark chapter 10, it got heated up. It got heated up. It says people were bringing little children into Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples like, uh, we don't like this. Nah, get them out of here. And when Jesus saw this, he was, what? Indignant. And he said to them, let the little children come in here. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive, uh, who will, uh, truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Okay, there's got to be, that's a key. That's a key, all right? That's a key. Stay on that key. And he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. And then as Jesus started on his way, a man came running up to him and he fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, good teacher, good teacher. I'm just like, I'm figuring this is how it was. And uh, what must I do? Tell me what I'm supposed to do to inherit eternal life. That was another big thing, right? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. There is no one good except God alone. You know that means? All of us are losers. <laughs> if that answer was solid, Jesus, all of, okay, so all of us are losers, and you know the commandments? And he said, you know the commandments? You shall not what? You shall not what? You shall not what? Steal. That's the answer. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not what? And then honor your what? And Jesus was like, just giving him some of them. And, and, the, and, the, and then he goes, he took the good off. He says, teacher. Hey, teacher, all these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. And one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and then come follow me. And at this, the man's face did what? It fell off his head. He went away. <laughs> Don't you read it like that sometimes? And he went away sad because he had no head. No, he had great wealth. He had great wealth. Uh, I don't want us to get, I don't want us to get, um, you know, divided who was wealthy and who was not. But where we have just come from in Africa, every single one of you would be that man standing before Jesus. You would, you would be the man with great wealth. And you say you think you have little, but in the world standards, you are of great wealth. Yeah? So we're all in the same boat. All right? And it says this. It says he, Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for rich to enter the kingdom of God. Why do you think that Jesus said that? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel, you know, for your camel to go to the eye of a needle than someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were even more amazed. What are you saying? Who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, well, with man, it's impossible. But with God, 
not with God. All things are possible with God. And then Peter spoke up. We left everything to follow you. We left everything. And he was a little confused, I think Peter was. And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. No one who has left the home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, you're going to receive homes and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and fields along with the persecution, the suffering. And in the age to come, you'll have eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. The economy of God. We've heard that, right? We've heard verse 34, 31. But many who are first will be last. Who are the most important will be the least important. And the ones who are the least important will be the most important. We've heard that, right? We, can, we know that that is, even though we can't get our minds around it, that is not our economy, right? Everybody, everybody in this room operates off of some kind of economy. We have a national economy, yeah. And then we have a state economy. And we're all supposed to fit our needs and wants and into that economy. And, and, and in our home, there are certain things that Erwin and I value. And so we buy those things, just like you do. You will buy the things you what? Love and want. And you will even zip out a credit card. If you do not have it, you'll say, I want it so bad. And you're going to get it anyway. So you just kind of find a way to get what you want. That's your economy. And so then everybody has attached to them the things they really, really want and love. Is that, is that God's economy? We realize, wow. In my home this week, I was just thinking, after the, after the gas eight gas leaks that we had, after the rat infestation, after the, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, don't come to my house then. <laughs> I didn't want them either. <laughs> after the ceiling almost fell down and we had to have it replaced, after the massive water leaking and all the things that had to be done to fix everything, I'm thinking, home ownership's not working. Did I say that word? Home ownership is not <laughs> worth it. And I'm like, oh, can one other thing happen? And it did. The air condition broke. Yes. And so I'm like, all right, all of this is draining everything. I don't have any time. I don't have any resources left, and I, I don't have, and I don't want this. God, what is it that I, I, I need to lock into something that's eternal? I don't ever do this, you know. I don't ever do this. We don't ever do this at Mosaic. But we're going to have a little time right now of interview. I need some wisdom besides my own. We don't do this, right? The special guest... Welcome, Parker Aquino. Hello, Parker. Hello. I noticed that they didn't stay up here to help me on the stool. All right. 
All right, I, I have known Parker for a few years. How old are you? Six and a half. Whoa, that's really nice. Um, so Parker, uh, you have a favorite joke? Do you want me to tell it? Yeah. Do you know two keys that can open doors? What is it? That would be a donkey and a monkey. <laughs> That's good! That's good! That's good! Is it funny to you? Not really. Okay, I have one. Uh, what, is a, uh, what is a flying bagel called? A plain bagel. <laughs> Is it a fake laugh? Was that a fake laugh? <laughs> okay, so, so Parker, I brought you up here because we're talking about the economy of God. You know anything about economics? No. All right, great. You're the perfect person to interview then. So then... Um, I've known you for a while, I was talking, and then you, I, your mom told me that she, you guys do chores, right? Yes. Chores. What is, what's a chore? Making my bed. Oh, making your bed, okay. What other chores do you have? I clean furniture. All right. Uh, seems, it's a lot. <laughs> you wash dishes? I wipe stairs. Oh, you don't do dishes, but you do stairs. <laughs> That's right. That's great. And so then, and then, and then you, you do stairs, and then do you get paid for any of this? I get one quarter for making my bed. Wow. Do you need somebody to renegotiate that? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Okay. Your parents are really nice. That's a lot of beds that you would have to do to get a lot of money, right? So um, then, do you save any of this money? Yes. Do you have a purse that you save this money in? Yes. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. So you've been doing it for a while. You've been saving some money. Yeah. And so you make your, own, you make your beds. I'd like for you to tell Pastor Irwin that he could also do that. <laughs> because he needs to make his beds. Yeah. So who gave you, who gave, you told me to, you told me to ask you a question, but I can't remember asking you, I was going to ask you a question about something, your favorite, what was it? What was it that I was going to ask you your favorite? Thing to play in my house. Oh yeah, what do you do that you, you love to play in your house? I like playing with my Barbies. Oh, that's right. And how's that going? Good. Good. Any kins around? Are there Kins? Because you know Barbie has a friend whose name is Ken. Is he around your house? No. No, just Barbies. Okay, that's great. That's great. Well, so then, does you have a? Do you have these chores? And I'm sure it's to keep your room clean as well. And so then you have this money that you've been collecting. But your great grandmother did something. What did she do? She gave me a $100 bill. Woo! And what did you do with that $100 bill? I didn't want to buy anything with it. No? No? Even when your mom took you to Target? Nope. 
Well, there was a lot of good stuff at Target, like toys and stuff. I didn't want to buy any toys. What, what, why did you want to buy toys? Because most kids would, like, love it. God already gave me so much, so why do I need more? That's really sweet. That's great. So when you bought this, when you got this, um, when you got this $100 bill, you made something for it. You made something for all of the, the money that you, what was it? It was a jar to put all my money in. Oh, was it? And could you, was it, did it have a name or what? It was just a jar. All right. All right, just, just a jar. We brought your jar. Your mom said this was your Jesus jar. Mm-hmm. And then you put the $100 bill in there, didn't you? You didn't want to spend it? No. What did you do with it all? I gave it in the offering bucket on Sunday. You did? Um, it's amazing to me that you, um, you gave it, for one, and it was all your idea to give it. Nobody asked you to give it. Did, did they ask you to give it? No. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. Just checking. So, so then nobody asked you to give it, but then you, you, you gave it. You didn't want to buy toys, but then what Pastor David Arcos told me is, Parker told me, um, told his mom, look, here to stay, I'm going to buy that building. I'm going to buy that building. And I, I'm like, I was amazed when I heard that. And maybe you didn't say it like my face said it. Like, I'm going to buy that building. But um, you, lighten up, you need to lighten up, Parker. <laughs> um, but that you were, you were confident that you were going to buy the building. And I don't think that is, that is any different from who you always were. As I remember you sit, standing in the aisle with your fake child's microphone singing worship with us when you were just a little kid, just little, younger than six and a half. And I was just overwhelmed at all your generosity, bringing me food when Pastor Irwin was away, um, and just being so kind to us and all of the people that are around your family. You always are always so kind. But a woman came up to you one time and she said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and you said you wanted to be what? A waitress. A waitress. And she said, why, little girl, do you want to be a waitress? Or your mom may have asked you that later. And why did you say that you wanted to be a waitress? I wanted to get money so that I, like, I could give it to the homeless who didn't, like, if they don't have any money. Right. And you told your mom that and at night when everyone is gone, which sounds a little creepy start, you wanted to take the food that was left over to you. You could give it to the homeless, right? It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to be. But I think it's more like we want to be like you, Parker, because you teach us. You teach us what it's like to have the heart of God. Mm -hmm. um, I, I thank you for all that you've given and all that you uh, have accomplished in your life at 60 and a half years old. Can you everybody say thank you, Parker? girl. Can I keep your Jesus jar? Can I just keep it? And you can keep the microphone. Thank you, Parker.
Isn't she amazing? Um, the thing about Jesus calling the children to him and saying, do not stop them from coming. Do you see? Because when he said, they are the kingdom of God, it is stuff like kids and the way they think and the way they process. That is what the kingdom of God is all set up to be. And he says, you, you will have to enter the kingdom of God just like a child. What does that mean? wide-eyed and full of wonder, never underestimating what God could do or what is about to happen. I love the fact that kids are, there is a necessity in their playfulness, right? I don't see that in a lot of adults, right? This ability to move constantly and see what cannot be seen by other people. I love that about ch children. And Jesus said he brought them close, he put their, his hands on them, and he blessed them. Do you know why Jesus touched the children and he blessed them? Because the economy of God is relationships, and it is not transactional. Isn't it weary? Isn't it? It is, it is relationships, and we've abandoned that. We know that we need it. We just don't know how to get it in an authentic way because um, everybody wants something, right? And it seems like we become transactional relators instead of just saying, let me just touch you and bless you. And Jesus, like, it's always about, it's always about the ones you cannot see, the ones who are powerless, that have knowledge, the, the little ones that have the knowledge to say, I, I have this and this I give. And look, I share, I share. He says, that's the kingdom of God. That is the economy of God. And right behind these children came this man, this, this man that came running up to Jesus. And he said, a very transactional thing, Right? The very transactional thing. How do I get, inherit, give me eternal life? How do I get that? And Jesus said, this is, how, this is what I need you to do. He goes, I need you to take your stuff and go sell it and give it to the poor. And then I need for you to come and walk with me. But before he said any of that really tough, tough, tough stuff, look in verse 21. This is what blew me away about Jesus. And this is why I follow Jesus, is in verse 21. It says this, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Whew. I don't know how much bad news you're given in a day or how much big news that's mind-blowing that you're given in a day. But I hope it came with somebody looking you in the eyes and loving you first. Beautiful. Because that's God's economy. His currency is love. He just loves you. And when Jesus saw the wealthy man, it wasn't because he was wealthy that he told him. I think it was a test to see, would he value the time I will give him 
by walking alongside him, if I challenge him to give it all up and just come and walk with me and follow me? Would he value that? Because all of us have the same amount of time, and it's just what, what you want to do with that time, what you want to do with that money, what you want to do with that stuff that you got. And Jesus says, um, open hands, just walk with me. Just walk with me like a child. Just come on. You can give it up. And then I just want you to walk with me. But he never said anything so big as he said, um, I look at you and I love you first. And all the hard stuff, all the really difficult stuff, I don't know if he means that for everybody. After all of the rats and all of the leaking and all of the, uh, uh, you know, the gas leaks and all the stuff that we've had to deal with, I'm like, maybe I should just sell it all, walk away from it all, and just see what happens, God. Is that what you want from me? Because I'm just really questioning this. Because God never wants us to be a slave to our stuff. I don't care if you think you got just a car or if you got half a wheel on that car. Never be slave to that wheel. Never be a slave to that cell phone. God never made us slaves. And in his economy, he says, I want you to walk with me because I see you and I love you. I'm going to say really difficult things to you about getting all that stuff through the eye of a needle or dying unhappy. Or I'm going to talk to you about eternal life. I'm going to really share with you some deep stuff. But I'm going, to deal, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to dig deep. I'm going to get to you because the real question is, what do you love? What do you love that is so much that you cannot say whatever you would want? It's not, I would walk with you, Jesus. I will walk with you, Jesus. Um, could you imagine being touched by Jesus? Like he being here and saying, I'm going to bless you as that child. Or being that, that rich dude that was running to Jesus. Can you imagine him being offered to walk with Jesus, walk beside him and follow him everywhere he go? Would you say yes? Would you say yes to that? And I thought, what, what a missed opportunity. You blow it. You fail the test. Whatever he wanted you to do, wouldn't that have been worth it? And the guy, it says, his face fell. He was so sad. He was so, he wasn't sad enough. He didn't get it. Be very sad. I hear myself all, saying all the time, I'm sorry, God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm not sorry enough to change, right? I'm just not sorry enough to change because in his economy, God is this. Look in, in verse 27. So all of the things that he said, he says, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. And the disciples are even more amazed in verse 26. He said, who then can get in? Who can be saved? Who's good enough in your economy? And Jesus looked at them and said, well, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible with God. That the, that the economy of God, we have to live in that impossibility. We have to become very comfortable with that impossibility. Hey, here to stay. He's not going to win the lottery. But God can take a Jesus jar and thousands of Jesus jars 
and buy property. Because, you know, he's limitless. He's boundless. And the only thing that binds him is love. Love for you. And so what you offer Jesus, he will so take it in his economy. And if it is offered in sacrifice, he just takes that sacrifice and multiplies it. And he said, I, I will multiply a hundredfold when Peter came to him and said, Jesus, Jesus, I've given up everything for you. I've given up everything. Look, and Jesus is like, it's not impossible. I can do it. I can do it. I can take your sacrifice and I can multiply it a hundred times. But I want you to know, I'm not going to make this easy. There's going to be some persecution and there's going to be some bad news to this. And there's going to be some hard decisions. And there's going to be some life-altering thinking that's going to have to go on for you to fit into the economy of God. Because I'm not fitting into how you play this game. Like you give me a little and I'm supposed to give you a lot. You give me nothing, and I'm just supposed to bless you endlessly, in which he does mercifully. He blesses us, right? But when we're mature in Christ, we have to learn these principles of of the impossible, that Jesus can take your, your state, and he can completely save you. He can completely give you eternal life. But look, he's, he's asking for some things. He is, he is, he is, sacrifice is real. And what does that look like? I've been struggling with that. What does sacrifice really look like? Because Peter, our poor Peter, our stupid disciple Peter, he he kept messing up, but he had left everything. And the road for him would get really rough and ugly, and then it would be redeemed again, right? And one of the things that I refused, I refuse to let people do is steal my redemption story. I refuse to let people steal my redemption story. I might be struggling with a sacrifice. I might be struggling with infestation of rats. I might might be struggling with my own Jesus jar, you know, and my only little hundred dollars and the impossibility. But, 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 but everything according to first Timothy one, four is God's work starts with faith. It starts with faith, and in, in faith is messy. And I told a woman who 20-some years ago, I felt like she tried to destroy me. And I, I sat with her, and I, I looked her in the eyes, and I wasn't going to move this week. And I just said, would you please not remember me for my worst moment? And I promise I will not remember you for yours. And, and it was like something opened up. Was there a floodgate? No, there wasn't a floodgate. But the impossible became possible. The, 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 the childlikeness that says if you would just sit a little bit longer and believe that God can do something with the little that I have, that there is something that's going to break loose here. And that nobody, nobody, nobody is going to steal your redemption story from you. That God wants in his economy to make you rise instead of crush you. To make you overcome instead of pull you back. God in all of his brilliance wants you to be the best because he's looking at you one-on-one in the eye and he's just loving you. 
He's loving you. He's loving you. No matter what you have or what you don't have and what you're asking for and what you're not asking for and how on target you are or how not on target you are, he is a part of your redemption story and your redemption glory, right? And in his economy, it is in his love, he knows, I'm just going to keep after you. I'm just going to keep pursuing you. I'm just going to, even if you won't walk with me, Jesus will walk with you. It's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And, and I, I just, I wanted to, I, I don't know, I just wanted to encourage you this morning. I wanted to encourage you with these words, that there is nothing that is impossible with God. He completely can save, and he can save you. He can save your situations. I hope that you can believe that. I want to just, let's just pray right now. You know, it's a short, sweet little thing um, by coming up here, but I don't know if I've done any damage in your heart. I really think there should be some more damage done. You know, I don't know what, your, how, how long in your redemption story, where you are, but Lord, I, I just pray right now that in your economy that you would transfer our thinking from one from survival to one of hope, that you will tear down all the walls that block hope, that all the walls that block the impossible, that all the walls that block everything that keeps us from being teachable and humble like a child, accepting like a child. And Father, as you place your hand on us, I pray, Father, help us to know your touch, to know who you are. Father, as you look at us, may we understand what true love is. And right now, some of us, you know, some of us in this building, you're just grappling with, okay, who is God? You know, Jesus, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And you might stand at this place of faith and say, I wanna cross that line of faith. I want to, I want to pray. And if you pray, it should be maybe just like this. I, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. And Jesus, when you pray that, he just comes in. He takes it over your life. He comes into your heart. It's that easy. We are not making it complicated. It's kind of like the, the kids with Jesus. It's just not complicated. Yeah. You pray that prayer this morning. I want you to raise your hand and tell me that you did that. Because it's important. Because it is hope and life to somebody else. Raise your hand if you pray that prayer. And God sees you. God sees your hand. <laughs> Amen. I see it. I see it. I see it. And maybe some of you are struggling just with the things that we struggle with, all the stuff. I want you to know that in the invisible, in the impossible, there is a reality and that God is fighting for you and on your behalf. And he wants to see you. He wants to see you strong and healthy. I pray that for you. 
And God, we pray that the, the work that needs to be done in faith would be done today and that we would shift our thinking to, Father, that, that we are sacrificial people, that we are people of the impossible, that we are childlike in our character, but we are mature in our thinking. And, Father, we are so grateful for all that has been given. And, Father, with open hands, we give you all that we have. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you've just received. Allow it to go deeply into your soul. To allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. And I also want to encourage you to be a part of what we're doing here at Mosaic. To go to the Mosaic app and to become a part of the Mosaic Foundation. To become a regular giver and investor in bringing this message across the world. I want to thank you so much for being here with us. God bless you.